So, you're a musician. Each week, we're going to discuss survival within the music industry. We'll chat to professionals who can help us and you find a way. Talking about things like how to get a job, what's the point in networking? And staying sane. <laughs> that as well, yeah. So if you're lost and not sure what to do next, welcome to the club and welcome to the Open Back Podcast. So Tristan, it's been a fair while since we've done one of these. It has been a little while. We took a little break. Um, for those of you who know, we put a post out and we did speak about it. We just got really busy over yeah. what was our summer. I guess it wasn't yeah, the, yeah. the physical summer break. Um, but we're back uh, and we're going to focus it a little bit different, I think, when yeah. we come back now. But, uh, well, we, we're jumping straight in with an industry guest episode and we are joined by, uh, by Sam. Hey. Hey, man. Um, so for those of you who've watched podcasts before, uh, we spoke to Sam with his band in Technicolor when I was at the Pioneer Club, mm-hmm. checking all you guys out. Um, and it stood out to me that you've kind of properly been able to create a career within the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of that seems very sort of like you've created the opportunities for yourself. So I thought it'd be really interesting to have a chat and Sam very kindly agreed to do so. Yeah, happy to chat. Yeah, so so I suppose best place to start is when you your first kind of experience of music, the first thing that made you think, huh, I think that might be what I'm mm. going to do, or maybe even earlier than that when it just sparked your interest. Yeah, I mean, music was always around. My parents were both music teachers. They met at music college. Um, but actually, I don't know if it's through some, like, sense of rebellion against that i actually got into it thinking you know this could be a thing for me relatively late um my parents both tried to teach me instruments as a kid and i think because they were teaching me i was not that interested um it's just like <laughs> another world where they could like tell me what to do and i and i kicked back against that i understand that yeah yeah no, i mean I it's, it's stupid looking back on it i wish i'd stuck with the piano at the time but i didn't all the trombone my dad tried to me to teach all me right the trombone. So, so were those the two instruments uh those were two instruments that they tried to teach me at different right. points yeah and what do your parents play if you don't mind asking. uh so my dad's a bit of a multi everything okay um he yeah um piano various brass uh trombone um he, yeah, he still plays keys in bands and, and in brass bands and stuff and a bit of guitar, a bit of bass. Um, my mum, flute was her main thing, but she also taught taught piano. Um, and then my dad, they were both like school teachers. Sure. Um, so, so what kind of music was that that you were listening to? Like at that stage, was it kind of rock? Um, was it classical? Like- I guess it was, yeah, rock, pop, like whatever's sure. on the radio. My dad was uh, into a lot of, I guess, dad rock bands classically, mm. like um coldplay stereophonic stuff like that okay and then uh as i got a bit older i started to find things for myself um the first like bands i remember being like real big into was stuff like lincoln park and stuff like that like everyone my age seemed to find these same bands around the same time but um (laughs) yeah and that's where i started to find i guess a bit more of my own personal uh love for music uh red hot chili peppers muse stuff like that like the rock stuff yeah Uh, and that's like definitely still evident in in the stuff that i do now you know um so i think i started playing drums like 14 and was like okay this is a thing that's for me rather than being taught to play piano by my parents which i wasn't so into um and yeah kind of got into the whole tech thing quite late actually as late as at a level right so i didn't do a music gcse and then about halfway through my GCSEs, I kind of regretted that, but it was too late to go back. So, so where were you at that point with your music? Because obviously you made the decision not to do GCSE. Yeah. So where were you, like, 
I was still playing sure. like for me I was still doing drum lessons once a week through school and like had a drum kit set up in my room at home and me and my mates would go there and we'd like have a bit of a jam in sure. that little brief time between finishing school and my <laughs> parents getting home and not wanting a drum kit in the house <laughs> like so we had this like glorious like two hours where we could come home and make as much noise as we wanted yeah um so yeah stuff like that uh yeah so still kind of figuring it out like i say i, I feel like relatively speaking i came to it a little bit late mm. um but i can tell you exactly when it sort of became quite serious for me which was um GC, yeah like i say didn't do the gcse decided during that time that i wish i had but it was a bit late um didn't play a harmonic instrument really i, pl I played drums mm. um tinkered the piano a little bit but not really um still still true um <laughs> And uh, so I went to the music teachers and I said, I'd really love to do music A-level. And they said, well, you're going to struggle because you don't have any theory. Mm. You don't have any... I started my drum grades, I think. But yeah, I didn't have any harmonic knowledge, really. They're like, you're going to be going into the deep end. How about music tech? Which they'd just started a couple of years previously as an A-level at school. And I was like, all right. And my teacher was incredible. Uh, Mr. Wilkie, Dave Wilkie, if you happen to see this. <laughs> like, I took him for a pint recently and was like man you you like you changed my life I don't know if you knew this Thank but like so nice yeah just because he he was just so approachable easy to chat to about it like he was just a bit of a dude who was <laughs> teaching this stuff and he I just found this whole new exciting thing that I hadn't really considered yeah. and like I said I've already been told it's a little bit late to be kind of thinking about music potentially but then it was like oh music tech this is whole world that I can grab god um, you can't really believe can you that at 16 you're telling people that it's a bit late to kind of well start. it's like professional the, football the, isn't it the, yeah the, the, <laughs> in all fairness I absolutely know what you mean because I had a similar sort of thing when I I did GCSE music but was not a classical player so then when I I had a similar conversation where I was like oh I'd like to do a level and mm. um and and the a level teacher said oh you know i think you're going to i i think you're going to struggle not playing not having played a classical instrument in yeah. classical grades i ended up doing it um and but with all that theory stuff yeah i was i was definitely a step behind right interesting so yeah. uh, but then drums is like a, another level on that because you don't you have there's no notes you, you're, you're <laughs> i don't know what stuff. notes are yeah and you want new notes were, but uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah but if you're not practicing with that stuff every day yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, for sure. And and in retrospect, they're absolutely right that I would have struggled. And it's a real shame that I hadn't had this like epiphany two years mm. earlier. Mm. But uh, it worked out. And, you know. Happens when it happens, doesn't it? You find you can't force it, especially with music. It's got yeah. To be, it, I, I it mean, I think it's an intrinsic issue with education system in general that you've got to decide yeah. at like 15 what you want to do. Yeah. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's options, yeah. 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 So, so what was it about doing the music tech at a level that kind of captured your your sort of it's like, just it was just this exciting magic thing that i'd not seen before you know we had this like had this trolley that we would pull out of the cupboard that had like this eight channel motu interface on it and a pc running whatever version of cubase it would have been in 2006 seven can't remember sure. something like that and it was uh yeah it was just all this like new exciting stuff that i just never i'd not i'd not thought about it um, and we'd like, we'd run a loom up to one of the little music rooms, one mm. of the little teaching rooms, and then we'd have someone in there recording and we'd like start to build this track up. And I just thought it's just magic, really <laughs> fucking cool. Um, and I was like, all right, I could do that. And at the same time, like, like we were just saying, 
I didn't know what I wanted to do at Mm. Uh, I guess at this point I'm like 16, 17. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So it was like, well, my other A-levels were sociology and psychology. Do I want to go and do that at uni? Not really. Um, this thing's really exciting. So I pursued it. Um, mm. So where did that lead on then? So you, I presume you did your A-levels and you did music tech alongside that. Mm-hmm. And then you decided focus on music. What, what, music what production next? degree. Music so production that's what degree. brought me to Brighton. Cool. Um, ah. Did three years down here. Well, <clears throat> two years and then had a year off where I got a bit of uh, experience in a studio and then did uh, th- and and also worked you know in a bar and whatever just mm. try to try to get through a um, bit of traveling and then came back and finished the uh, the third year of my degree actually not in Brighton in Worthing but I was still living in Brighton and was that through BIM no so that was uh, University of Brighton uh, taught via what's now Met College so it okay. used to be City College in Brighton and then also Northbrook in Worthing and now they're one thing but sure yeah so there's a uni Brighton course so while you were doing that like the decision to go to uni and study production was that kind of was it a career-led decision or was that just oh I enjoy this I'm good at this I just want to do it for a bit longer like were you actually thinking about it I guess I mean yeah I was thinking this could be a career at the same time it was the only thing the only option that seemed exciting to me yeah so um what i did have and at the time probably didn't appreciate um but my parents were very like hesitant to see me go and do a creative thing um interesting because they both done yeah and i don't want this i want to be careful how i phrase this because they weren't not supportive but they were very um Sorry, they weren't not supportive, but they were very, if, you, if you're going to do this, like you've got to work really fucking hard at mm. it. Like it's hard. Lots yeah. of people want these very few positions. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people end up just not <laughs> teaching music or working in a bar or, you know, not yeah. necessarily doing the thing within music that they want to. And mm. they were just, I think they're just trying to give me a reality check, mm. um, which... At the time, I was like, stop telling me what to do. But <laughs> as time went on, I was like, oh, no, all right, you, you have a point here. And and I think it's good, actually. Like, it sort of motivated me to, to work really hard. And, you know, not to not to down-talk anyone that I was on the course with, but a lot of those people are now not working in music. And, no, sure. And I was like, all right, I'm going to prove these people wrong. I'm going to do it. Um, so, yeah, really had to stick with that. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it's funny because I can... I can a different kind of way because obviously you come from creative parents and mm. um, whereas for me like my family my mum did a science degree and my dad went and got a flying scholarship and like mm. they're very focused people and with my mum she doesn't mind and it was kind of all creative and interesting but my my dad and he was very when I said oh I'm going to do a music degree it was like stand back and panic yeah. and try and book him onto everything else oh you can go through clearing here you can go through clearing here. yeah okay so it was similar like similar chat yeah they were, yeah um, but yeah the, the the mindset of like the the reality check he, he definitely had that conversation like you know if you're going to do it but really focus on one thing and, and go for it in that respect which was nice for him to say anyway um so what were like the big things you discovered at university then obviously where were you from originally and, and moving to Brighton was that a big change culturally or uh, yeah I grew up in Milton Keynes <laughs> okay um, which culturally it's it's getting there now but mm. like there wasn't much going on um, yeah it's this weird little planned city and it sprung up in 10 years and culture takes longer than that to embed right so um, 
recently actually i was doing sound for a band called delta sleep and we uh played a little venue in milton Keynes, and uh and it yeah really vibey cool little venue and it's nice to see these places finally popping up yeah anyway uh yeah moved away from milton Keynes to come here and suddenly there's like a gig on every single night and there's I mean, Brighton's hardly short of culture, is it? <laughs> That's it. And it, it was a real, like, oh, this is what a city can be like. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, and, yeah, now when I go back to Milton Keynes, I appreciate it in a different way. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Had you been gigging in Milton Keynes when you were younger? Not like, look, properly. We, sure. No, there was, like, one venue, really, that we would go to. It was open on Friday and Saturday night only, and it was a leisure centre the rest of the week. Um, okay. uh, but I never, I never played there. No, I, I didn't really... I was in bands, but we didn't we didn't okay. do anything. No, okay. <laughs> we Fair played battle of the bands, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess that's the next logical thing. Did you join bands when you came to Brighton? Yeah, so I started actually meeting people and recording them or playing with them. I mean, I've always been more from the tech end first, to be okay. honest, ever since that kind of eureka moment that I had during my levels that we were just talking about. Um, so, yeah, I was less interested in playing and more like that was a thing i did as a hobby and i was just really excited to be like recording people um meeting people met a bunch of people from bim um as well as people on my course some of those people went on to start small pond with later on some of the people that i met at bim um and you know we started by just recording each other's bands and like just meeting like that you know for a while there was a gap between bands where i wasn't really playing with anyone for for a good chunk um and i got rusty and i wasn't that good and then came back to it i was like oh yeah the thing that originally made me fall in love sure. with music great yeah. <laughs> but uh, i mean even now i don't know if i should say this because the last uh interview we did was with intent of color uh <laughs> but i still i love that band and i love what it does for me and and how we how it's going together but it's like it's got to be the fun part of music for me in fact i think cool. i said this in the in, yeah, the, yeah. in the in tech interview as well like this is the career part and and I love it and I focus on on this and I want to build this and in tech I really hope it does well and I work hard at it as well but it's like it's a hobby it's it's more of the fun part of music for me you yeah, know what sure. I mean like yeah, I need yeah. to turn up I want to have a few beers with my pals I want to play a rock show and like that's that's the core of what that is you know yeah. what I mean yeah 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 yeah, do you think of your live music playing? Because that's a great way of looking at it. Like, almost, not hobby-esque, but... Hobby feels like a slightly dirty word. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It needs to not... be... The core of it needs to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. But I think a lot of people who study music or into music, play instruments, have this. That I think you've, you've worked very hard at getting a career within the music industry, but it's interesting that you still divide the kind of job aspect i'm not saying you don't enjoy your job but you, you mm. divide the job aspect the career from the the kind of fun aspect not to oversimplify because i'm sure it's not quite that yeah that, i know obviously there is some but, some gray area yeah. between but like um yeah i don't see myself as a professional drummer no, no uh, or no, a professional sure. musician i do see myself as a professional engineer and producer yeah yeah no, but, so. but that's interesting to me because i think lots of people leave leave uni leave whatever they're doing and and don't go and get jobs within music mm. but music is still their fun bit but then on the rest of the time they're a, I, I don't know they're an accountant for example yeah. but then music's still their fun so it's yeah it's interesting to me that even though your career is also in the same mm. bubble that you still have that kind of 
you slightly separate them in your head. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And and there is obviously crossover. When I go into the That's studio important. with my band, yeah. I can't fully turn off the engineer part of my brain. No, it's sure. like, oh, well, maybe we just should move that mic. <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Or uh, Do you produce in Technicolor stuff? No. You don't? No. And that's, that's uh, yeah, I mean, partly that's because the band predates me. I joined um, just in time for the last album, basically, but right. they had a whole record before me and a whole relationship with their producer, cool. who's a guy called Mark Roberts, who's fantastic. And actually, he drummed with them for a while before I did. Right. Okay. Um, so it's all very incestuous. These are all people <laughs> who work and have come through this building. So we all know each other from Brighton yeah, yeah, scene. Cool. But, um, yeah, so there's already that kind of uh, relationship there and I sort of slotted in. And the other thing was that uh, I did a couple of uh, tracks with my old band before that, Heimway, and it just became this whole... Uh, <clears throat> everything else took priority, right? Because mm. I'm like, oh, well, I've got this paid mixing job. I'm going to do this paid mixing job before I mix my band stuff. And then also you're too close to it. Like, you can't really, like, separate from the art a little bit. And you're like, I could just edit these drums forever and still not be happy. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it's quite nice now with Intech that I get to just do the artist thing. And I'll turn up to the studio. And, yeah, I will, like, help him set up some mics and stuff because I know what I'm doing with that. But, um, you know, Mark is the guy that goes, cool we're happy with that tape, we're going to move on. Or maybe we should try this in a chorus. And I, I'll happily just sit back and be like, great, I'm just a drummer today. And that's, yeah, nice. yeah, I really enjoy being able to do that. And it's been really eye-opening actually seeing it from the other side with someone as fantastic as Mark, um, where you, like, I'm still learning stuff. I'm like, ah. Steal all his ideas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, that's how you manage a drummer who isn't happy with their drum parts. Great. Yeah, he made me feel loads better about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I can do that for someone else. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's roll it back a bit. So you you've come back from traveling, um, you finished off your degree, and you've got to that crossroads where you know me and Will are both read through it. A lot of people that listen to our podcast we know are at that kind of crossroads at the same. What was your what was your next move? So like a really scary year after finishing uni. So I think I mentioned already that um, <clears throat> between my second and third year. I was working in a hotel and hotel bar and also starting to pick up a little bit of um, sound work at this studio uh, in Brighton, which uh, it was pretty basic. Like I loved the place, but we had basic equipment. We had some 57s and a Mackie desk um, and the rooms weren't like that well soundproof. So if you had a recording in one room, you might hear the band next door having a practice. Like <laughs> it was not ideal. Um, but you know, it was a foot in. I was excited just to be in any sort of studio. Um, and I love that place. Like it was, it was held together by gaffer tape, but it was fantastic. <laughs> um, still going as well. Really happy. Brilliant. Um, and so out of the back of that, that's where I think I mentioned this, uh, earlier when I was getting a bit ahead of myself, where I started meeting, uh, some people from BIM. There was a guy there called George who ended up, we founded Small Pond where we are now, but we met both engineering at this place and he was uh, teaching some kids classes that came in there and we were both kind of running sessions and stuff and then through him I ended up meeting the other guys that started it Dave and uh, Liam and Vlad Dave came later actually but um, uh, so yeah basically just started sort of grabbing any little bit of vaguely sound related work that I could I had a pub job which was pretty flexible so things would start to come in and I'd go 
ah, can someone just cover my Saturday shifts? I'm going to go record this band for not that much money instead. <laughs> um, and that just kind of led to meeting people, more opportunities after a little while. Um, the person who ran the studio knew someone who was setting up a venue and they're like, can you do live sound? I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. I was terrible, but you know, I figured it out and, yeah. and, and now I'm not terrible, hopefully. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I like very much learned on the job. Shouldn't have been given that job, but, you know, said yes Thank and you. made it work. Absolutely. And then eventually, and actually the live sound stuff picked up a lot quicker than the studio stuff. So the studio was always the plan and the live sound was just something that appeared. I was like, that sounds more relevant than working in a pub. Um, same as, you know, a lot of people end up working in labels or whatever. They maybe want to be a musician, but it's it's in the right circle, right? So you grab it. So that stuff picked up, picked up, um, managed to quit the pub job within the first year, uh, which was a relief because there was a moment where I was like, maybe I'm one of those guys that has a music production degree and just works in a pub now. Um, nothing against those guys, but it's not no, what I no. wanted, you know? No, no, no. Um, and so that was, uh, yeah, that was the, the, the big relief as that stuff started to pick up. So what, I mean, you maybe have already said this, but mm. what, what led your decision making? Because obviously, you know, you come out of uni, there's a load of things you need to sort. You know, you need money for one, but you also want to kind of focus on the industry, all this. So when you're making these decisions and opportunities are appearing or not appearing, what is the sort of the factor that is like trumping everything else saying, well, that's what I'm doing because it gives me this? I mean, if I'm honest, it's all, it was all quite reactive. For years, I think my, um, my career felt quite reactive. Like I, like I was just saying, I didn't really plan to get a job in a venue. It just was offered to me. And I was like, sure. Um, and then same, the first time I went on tour, someone was like, hey, do you want to come on tour? You, you can do live sound, which by this point I could. Uh, I was like, yeah, sure. I've never been on tour. Let's do that. And, like, and that led to some incredible stuff. But just being quite, um, I guess if it was in music, that felt like progress to me and if it was either exciting enough or in the right direction enough for the career or paid enough any of those three things i was like i'm gonna grab it you know what i mean there's a there's a huge amount of bravery involved in that and i think a lot of people do underestimate that because i've i had it coming out of uni the first thing everyone would go play in a function band because i did a performance degree you know sure. that's the same thing so sign up for an agency and then realize all right i've been given a set list 12 hours before someone's wedding and there's no keyboard player and i'm i have to start the, the first dance song and then really being terrified and then equally when i was um I, similar to you i volunteered as i didn't volunteer I, I got given a job sound engineering live sound um but more portable kind of things and i kind of knew my way around the little portable desk that we always use and then uh i go to a venue that have got their own desk and i messaged you repeatedly <laughs> throughout the night which was 36 channels and i just could not get the reverb um to sidechain to it at all i was just completely lost on the desk in general mm. and in the end i just lied to the artist and just said oh the reverb channel's broken <laughs> 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 it was only short gigs so it didn't really matter and the room had a bit of echo yeah but yeah i just about got the monitors working for them i was really proud of myself right um so yeah I, I that's really brave as well to take it on especially like if you don't know and it also that failure sort of thing a lot of people are scared to do that mm. whereas yeah, no, for sure. i mean i do wonder there's a line there like between uh, yeah 
sure, it's brave. I think mm. also I was like a little bit almost arrogant. Brilliant. Uh, just <laughs> totally. like, yeah, like I was just like, yeah, I can do live sound. Like yeah. I was bad. I was the first few gigs I did did not sound good. But also I was getting paid 50 quid a night cash. And it was like, all right. I mean, from now looking back and I'm like, to the venue, you get what you pay for. Mm. And I had a good opportunity to learn on the job. And, and by the time I'd finished that kind of first year at that venue, which I won't name, it doesn't exist anymore anyway. Um, but they, you know, by the time I'd finished that, I was actually all right. Yeah. And then someone else heard me mix and was like, oh, this venue, Sticky Mics, um, which RIP, we love Sticky Mics. Uh, it was in Brighton for years and they needed another house tech and i was like okay i could actually do that now because i've put in my time doing it badly elsewhere (laughs) (laughs) so how many how many years roughly are you in that sort of that phase where you're jumping between lots of different things still now yeah yeah still now i mean they're all music things now um like i managed to phase the pub out a year or two in Mm. but yeah it was always uh, that studio that I said that I started working at and that venue that I started working at and then upgrade the venue and then meet the guys who I now started Small Pond with, uh, which is the studio we're currently sat in. Um, but, you know, f- for even years before the studio started, we were still maybe about three, four years. We were doing location recordings and, like, mixing records in... Uh, my mate had, a like, a spare room and we set up some gear in there, basically. Um and still doing that alongside the live work and picking up other random bits of, yeah, very much like give me whatever you can yeah. and I'll force it all into my calendar and, and make it work. Um, and got really into that bad freelance habit for what, well, maybe not bad, necessary, I guess, at the time, that freelance habit of just say yes to everything. Because yeah. at the first at the start, I was so hungry, so like, yeah. Th- thirsty and hungry for the work and in need of the money uh, that I said yes to everything for ages and it actually took me a long time to break that habit and go do I need this bit of work or actually do I need a day off Um, and it literally probably took me about five years to learn that lesson the hard way (laughs) like several burnouts yeah real rough difficult question maybe (laughs) did you see yourself when you finished uni as like as like the best producer absolutely not you were aware that you still had a lot to... Mm. I think I had enough... Well, I obviously had enough to feel like it was worth pursuing mm. it, you know? And I enough potential, I guess, is, is the thing. But uh, no, I knew I had a lot, lot to learn for sure. I had... <clears throat> my whole kind of third year project was just make use of the studios and record as many bands as I could. And I came out with like a 10 track. It was on a CD because those were the times. Uh, I printed a CD and it was like a 10 track showreel, I guess, essentially, um, which I literally remember posting to every venue everywhere. Um, sorry, every studio rather, uh, including like Abbey Road and Air and all these places. Yeah. I don't get any replies. <laughs> no, 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 but. But, um, uh, but yeah, I. What was the question? I've totally gone off tangent a little bit. Uh, but, yeah. Like about your kind of your confidence coming out of uni, like whether there was yeah. some some sense that you were you were going to be you were just going to be accepted because you thought you were great and just like better than all the competition, or whether there was like an element of because I definitely had. I should probably say it from a way that makes sense, but I definitely had this thing coming out of uni 
played guitar, but I was like, well, I'm not the best guitar player that's come out of this. Mm. Probably not the worst either, but I'm not the best. So there's a kind of, there's a... I don't, yeah, I don't think I was the worst, sorry, the best coming out of, uh, coming out of uni, but I was working hard at hard, it. yeah, sure. And I was like, I know what I'm doing is good. I know it will get better if I keep working this hard. Um, and I was willing to go through a few years of like, you know, mediocre pay, mediocre jobs potentially to to kind of keep developing that. Like, I think that was made very clear to me at uni that like, yeah, education is not going to end at the end of third year. It's going to be your first job in a studio. And I was like, I'll make tea for people. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I'll just like do DIY recordings for my mates until it's good enough. And then maybe a studio will hire me. Go on. I was going to say, and you you basically did all that anyway. Um, mm. So that 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 proves the point that you know working hard and and taking those kind of opportunities as they come, even if that you know they're rubbish pay, but you learn something, and even if that's learning by being rubbish at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, this is it. And it, my career didn't take quite the path that I expected. I no. thought it would be, you know, graft for a bit, and I'll end up in a studio, <laughs> and then. You know, I'll start assisting and then I'll uh, kind of the classic way that people would have got into studios in the 80s and 90s. It doesn't really happen anymore. Where actually it was a lot more about the connections that I made. Like I say, I met George at this studio that I was working at. Um, and then he introduced me to Vlad and Liam. And we were like, Vlad had this crazy idea. Like, we're going to start a studio in center of Brighton yeah. and we're going to get someone to pay for it. And we're just going to build this place and people will come here and it'll be good. And I was like, yeah, man, that sounds cool. I'll be, I'll be involved with that. Yeah. Uh, and here it is, it exists. Um, yeah, so just it was more about meeting the right people at the right time and just being open to these ideas um, and, and willing to work really hard for them as well. Like all the stuff that the Small Pond team did before Small Pond was really a thing, we didn't get paid for any of it. Like we just fit it around the work that did pay us. And as long as I had enough to cover my rent and I was recording some bands, I was pretty happy. So, I mean, that's a beautiful tangent into Small Pond then, yeah, sure. which, which as you said, is the studio we are, we are at today. So, I mean, I, I suppose just tell us the story. Yeah, well, I guess that was the start of it. Vlad had this idea that we could find a building get someone to lend us the money for it which they did incredibly um and start a studio we always knew i gave you guys the tour before for anyone who doesn't know studio uh small pond is a recording studio and also six rehearsal rooms um and so it was always we always knew that the rehearsal rooms were gonna kind of pay the rent as it were um and so we yeah, and, and they do. We're located right in the centre of Brighton. So anyone from the music colleges or, or anyone who's got a local gig or whatever can walk here with their guitar on their back. Uh, it makes parking hard, as you guys found out today. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's we're accessible by foot or by it's bus or whatever. It's not too bad, though, because the moment you go into it's the fine. car park... The, oh yeah as long as you're like, happy to pay the ncp rate yeah sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you decide to do it mm -hmm. you get hold of the cash yep. um what's the like it's a brave thing because studios are closing all the time mm -hmm. um and have been for i mean you'll, you'll know better than i do but yep. like the, the kind of the independent studio thing is it's not tough. a it's, it's not a, like a it's not a model that i'd imagine you'd 
you advise somebody to set up as a business today? Business-wise, it's it's not smart, and <laughs> uh, which is why the plan really was always the rehearsal rooms. Rehearsal space. Um, and we knew that we couldn't just do the recording studio without the rehearsals. Sure. I mean, technically, if we were just seeing dollar signs, we would probably have turned this into another rehearsal room and and not worried about it at all. But we always had this picture of one building housing the label and the promotions department mm. where we used to we do it less these days but we used to put on gigs um and still have one coming up called bad pond another tangent um <laughs> uh, and we would also have the uh, the uh, the control room and the live room the studio uh, so the idea that someone could come here they could practice they could then move into the studio and make a record and then they could potentially put it out on the label and then from there they might play one of our gigs like this idea that it's all in yeah. one building was really appealing to us um but yeah if we're going to talk kind of straight money the, the rehearsal rooms were absolutely key uh, uh, certainly at the start of that process before the other things had kind of found their feet you know so in terms of like building it and stuff what's the process there because i mean i'd imagine that there is a sense of urgency to start turning over Mm-hmm. money and having stuff used so what's like the first i mean what's the first step we found a guy called robin I forget his surname right now but he basically ran a a company that designed studios so we literally went to him and went we've got eight rooms control room live room six uh six rehearsal rooms um and a reception area and we need to turn it into a fully soundproofed studio and he went, okay, well, to do that, here are the designs. He drew them all up, and this is what you need, and and I'm going to supervise you. And we were like, cool. Rather than getting your guys to do that, we can't really afford to pay <laughs> anyone other than maybe you. So we basically paid Robin, and then we paid ourselves uh, rubbish. We paid ourselves uh, minimum wage, and we came in, and we were like, Robin, show us how to build a soundproof wall. And he would do that on the Monday, oh. and we would build soundproof for a week uh soundproof walls a week and then he'd come back on the monday be like you've done it wrong do it again uh and we would repeat that process for six pretty grueling months um and then we had to open because we were out of money and we were kind of still doing little bits on the week you know in between rehearsals and stuff we were painting a wall or whatever but uh yeah we basically just made it work under robin's supervision right so there was kind of a you you built the whole thing before opening it wasn't like you did like one room and started uh yeah we built the whole thing before opening like that we were still there was a period of pretty fierce upgrades where things were like open but maybe not ideal but yeah we everything was ready to go by the time we opened and how did that go when you first opened uh it was terrifying and there was a lot of figuring things out on the job uh none of us like that you know we'd been thinking about opening but then it was like oh we need to all figure out how to use the till system and we need to uh you know what do people need in the rooms you know the first someone time someone came was like hey we need to buy strings like how we don't have those uh or (laughs) as an example i can't remember if that actually happened you know what i mean like um or hey have you got a coffee machine like that would be a great idea that's a really we should get a coffee machine <laughs> um you know and like kind of figuring out a lot of stuff as we went but you know initial pickup was good people were excited to see a new rehearsal space in brighton um 
Was there a competitor when you first opened? Yeah, and they still there still is. There's a place called Brighton Electric, and we love Brighton Electric. Uh, you know, we have a really good working relationship. Sure. There's enough space in this town for both of us. Um, yeah. And we they're a little bit further out. You would have to get the bus out to them. Sure. Um, but they have an amazing space, big rooms, um, and yeah we basically were like we're going to do something similar but we'd all been practicing there for years we knew all of their staff we were like we think there's enough space for both and there was a moment it was like are you gonna hate us uh and then you know a year on it's like there totally is space for both because we're sure. both full it's all good so yeah that's good i mean yeah i mean the center of brighton you've you've hit the demand if you wanted a business model for practice rooms you know <laughs> Centre of Brighton is probably, I can't think of anywhere better, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's so much music everywhere. So you, what, I, what I take away from it is, and for people that haven't been here and are just listening to it and maybe aren't watching it um, and they need describing, it, it's really beautiful inside and all the practice rooms you've put together really well. And I don't, for me, that doesn't think that would exist if you hadn't put the studio in either. I think the reason your product is as good as it is, clearly because you love music and you wanted to create a label recording studio with the whole business idea put together. Maybe if you were, as you put it, seeing dollar signs, it'd have ended up a completely different place. So, I think the vibe would be different. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. I think, yeah, it's it's got a little kind of community hub around it yeah. that's, that's built quite naturally over the years. Um, I don't know. Who knows? It, it it might still be that, but it, it would be a different version of that. Yeah, think, yeah. Sure. No, no, but I think it does. I think it's exactly what you said at, at the start when you were saying you wanted it to be the whole process. People could come, they could practice, they could write their songs, they could record their songs, they could release their songs, mm. they could even perform their songs through through you guys. It just there's a proper sense of identity to it, which I think a lot of places, you know, there there are some big not to name them but there's some big rehearsal spaces in the uk and i'm sure there are all over the world that are great and you can get in and you can you can do the work that you need to do while you're there but but they're a little bit they they lack the character Mm -hmm. and the the personality and i think you've really got that here is that something you've thought about through the process or is that just because it's a place built by real people um I think, I guess it has been thought about to a point, but I think mostly just everyone who built this place and everyone who has subsequently worked at this place. Um, and, you know, we've been open seven and a half, getting on for eight years now. <laughs> everyone just gives a shit. And I think yeah. that trickles down, you know? So, like, right down to, like, the reception staff who technically are just part-timers and come in for a couple of days a week. Like, we've got people who, are, you know, they, they could just clock in and just sit on the desk and take the calls but they care. Um, so they will be going around and like watering the plants and tidying up little bits of, I don't know, that skirting board's coming off yeah, so we yeah. can fix it. And you know, yeah. everyone cares. And so that adds up to a place which looks good and is inviting yeah, and whatever. Yeah. And I think I think that's really important. Cool. So, so obviously you open, but you're not, you know, you're not all, you, you each have individual jobs, I guess here as well uh, yeah. at least at least you definitely do yeah so what is your what's your role in kind of the small pond of well i suppose the small pond of seven years ago when you first opened but also so interesting today. the first year or two there was a bit of uh figuring that out um okay. so after a year we all definitely had very well defined roles mm. um maybe at first it was a little bit less defined it was a bit like everyone needs to do something and we're just sort of figuring it out and we're, we're responding to stuff but the roles that developed i became the recording studio manager um so 
other than doing sessions here which is obviously what i initially wanted as a, a sound engineer and a producer um i was taking the bookings and handling the maintenance and stuff like that and were you the only producer no no there were there were four of us uh, to start with but i sort of picked up the role of if someone emails the studio i will talk to them about what they need and then i will either take that session myself or pass it on to one of the other engineers um based on who's available but also like who's going to suit this the best you know someone wants big rock drums which engineer is going to be the best person to do that um Yes. Okay, that's interesting how you divide it in in, in your mind or, or, or compartmentalise it, I guess that's maybe the wrong word, but into already allocating what engineers you think will suit. Yeah, well, you try and have a, a few people, you know, if, if someone's coming in to record a rap vocal, that's not necessarily my strongest suit, so I'll give that to an engineer who's going to treat that or, or be more yeah. in tune with that. And, and that's still true today? The, well... Know? still true today but i've actually very recently taken a step back so i'm no longer the recording studio manager here um so i've still you know one of the founders of small pond and and have a foot in the door in that respect but we have kind of managers now running uh the uh, rehearsal studio and a new manager called sam also sam (laughs) taking over from me doing the recording studio day-to-day stuff um so i'm still doing sessions and i'm still doing kind of keeping an eye on it from the top i guess but that kind of middle management stuff i've gone someone else can do this <laughs> which is yeah sure and, and where does that decision stem from um wanting to just have more time to do more projects basically sure, the okay. thing that i initially wanted and that's okay. not to say i haven't loved doing the recording studio manager stuff i really have it's been great and i've built something here that i'm really proud of we, we all have um and it's now like okay that could run itself if i give that to someone else i don't need to be doing that day to day i could spend more time doing projects or i don't know with my girlfriend or yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i suppose going on tour you, or whatever it's you in control of the time you've got yeah rather than yeah to to be frank i just wanted less time on my emails um <laughs> yeah. and, no you're fair enough and i suppose if you're in a position as a as a founder and, mm-hmm. and all that to do that then yeah i mean it, it felt like it was the right time to do that so, yeah <clears throat> yeah so is that what you see going forward next you want to tour more have more time to yourself um probably not tour more okay. necessarily actually so um i did a lot of touring over the year like while still han- holding down this job you know all the emails and stuff i would be doing them in the back of the van <laughs> basically um but uh yeah, I might still tour a bit, but I want to be spending more time in the studio, but creatively rather than um, underneath the knee fixing it, for example. <laughs> so um, I love her, but she's yeah. had a hard life. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I want to be spending more time recording, mixing, producing bands, um, which is something I already do. Yeah. But um, it would be nice to have a bit more time to do that, basically. So that's sort of the next chapter is building up that up further than it is. Mm, fair enough how does the communication work between so i presume you were the studio manager before how in terms of like mixing and mastering mm. how do you allocate that in terms of the time sharing between the the studio and who gets the desk for longer uh well it's sort of case by case of whatever project comes through like, okay um someone comes through they book a week to do an album uh, or an ep or whatever and i will kind of allocate an engineer to that or myself to that and then we book in time and it's very much a first come first served put it in the calendar if it's not in the calendar 
Fine. Then, then it's not <laughs> it happening. wasn't planned. Yeah, and, and um, you know, and people will sneak in in the evenings to do bits of their own projects or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll come in and do my own bits. But if there's something in the calendar that's booked, that that's what's happening at that time. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Sorry. How much of the original image do you think has come to fruition? Of small pond. Yeah. Um. That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I guess it's it. We've achieved what we set out to achieve. Um, the label fairly recently shut down. Sure. Um, within the last year, that had sort of run its course, and a lot of the people who had started it had moved on to other things, and so that's kind of shut down. And it's been really cool that we did that, but it's in the past <laughs> um similar story for promotions we started we had loads of gigs happening and now we just really do bad pond once a year um which is is that, a, is that here that's um that's in brighton sure. um but it's not it's not in the studio it's in this year it'll be at chalk which is um 800 cap venue down uh by the pier previous couple of years it's been at concord uh, Concord 2 down past the pier on the way to the marina but yeah that's like a big day festival which is very much sort of I guess a little celebration of all the sort of music that we've been involved with it's very much the sort of people we work with on the label um, it's like the Arctangent crowd if anyone knows that sort of music it's very much the same scene that we've been involved in from the start um, but yeah again that's sort of shrunk down shrunk down and and um yeah may not go on forever because again it's a big side project to i guess what is the main thing which is keeping the studio running um so i guess in the original vision we were doing all these things forever and now we've had this kind of a few years of that and we're like let's focus on the things that mm. uh that make us money i guess <laughs> hey hey it's yeah you have to yeah but you're also still being creative and and again t to me you're still trained true to what staying true sorry to to what you really set out to do which is engineer and, and be creative and that yeah. and help projects develop and, and and we've got this beautiful little hub here and we're and we're supporting it and we're doing all these cool projects to come through we get some like arts council funding for things so that we can we're making this compilation record soon and it's all uh bands sort of 16 to 25 uh all the members are sort of 16 to 25 who have applied and we're like yeah let's give you a free track and so we can do all this sort of stuff that comes through and that seems like a better place to kind of focus the energy there's only so much you can do in one day right so yeah yeah, yeah definitely and then so i guess we'll to, to round that off if, if you are a band and you are listening or, or you want a book which potentially i do <laughs> um, how do you book a, a session for recording with you guys uh studio at smallpondrec.co.uk it won't go to me it would have six months ago <laughs> now it'll go to the new en uh, new head engineer sam um and he will get you booked in or just uh, google small pond recordings and you'll find the website and it's all it's all there so in your image what does this studio look like in 10 years time that's an interesting question um i i'd like to think it's still going kind of similarly to how it is now I don't know how much I'll be here in 10 years time. I'm sort of still using this as my base, but um, doing other projects, going off to other studios. Um, you know, the El Muno guys from the yeah. last interview. I recently spent two weeks in uh, Devon with them doing a record. I'd love to be doing more of that stuff. And, you know, going away and doing doing a thing and then coming back and mixing it here or at home. Um, but yeah, I, this place, I hope will continue kind of doing what it's doing now 
getting busier, getting bigger projects. Um, maybe we would expand and have a bigger recording studio somewhere nearby. Don't know. But um, yeah, I certainly see it still kind of cracking on in 10 years. And then what, what about you? What are you doing in 10 years? In, a, in an ideal world. In an ideal That's, world. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, more of the, the big projects, uh, you know, less sort of... Um, someone's coming in for an afternoon to record drums and take that home and more of here's an entire album and it's going to be a month's worth of work and you're going to get really involved and you're going to do pre-prod and right through to passing it off for mastering you know i want to be doing more of those sort of projects um whether that be here or at other studios or maybe i'll even start another studio of my own one day um i've always kind of had this like fantasy i guess of like a residential type studio where you know living out not too far out of brighton but a little bit in the countryside um or maybe even somewhere in europe who knows uh but yeah like living in this place where people will come and they will spend a week or two making a record and we'll all you know they'll all sleep in in the place in the farmhouse or whatever you know that's really cool and we'll get up and we'll have breakfast together and we'll make a record that's my favorite way to work and i would love to have a place that does that um but you know (laughs) well if anyone wants to fund me yeah that'd be great uh but yeah certainly those sort of records is the thing that i want to be doing whether it's my own space or hiring other spaces and then having my own mix room at home um bigger projects more involved um while Small Pond hopefully is still here ticking away. How have you, in your kind of time doing music, I suppose, have you, have there been any kind of, have you seen the industry change in any ways? Um, I mean... Kind of the whole industry or, or, or subsections? Big question. Uh, I mean, I guess I got into it as CDs were already dying and Napster was already and then spotify and then you know so all the obvious answers to that question are absolutely a thing um meanwhile recording technology has become cheaper so there is a lot of i think i just talked about it you know someone will come in and record drums for a bit and then take it home and they will track the guitars track the vocals and stuff at home and and maybe even mix it themselves so there's a lot of it's become quite bitty um you know the sort of projects that i want to do like just talking about where we do an entire album and i'm involved from start to finish that's less common these days because people can do huge chunks of that stuff at home so i think that's the that's the issue with studios is that they they even need to be big enough that people want to go and do an entire thing there and that sort of takes like label money and stuff or they need to be quite specialized where someone is happy to run a studio where people just come to do drum tracking and then take that stuff away yeah yeah um, and i suppose you're not getting the kind of the smaller grassroots art, grassroots artists doing that because it needs the because they need to be able to pay for that's it yeah you know, a whole album to be recorded is not going to be a, it's a big chunk of money to be self-funded so yeah, yeah you 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 will cut corners and do bits that you can at home <clears throat> yeah no hey hey i mean that's what we've done we yeah, that's what everyone does yeah, it's, yeah, it's what i you know it's what i would do for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just um, take the stems and, and leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then either mix it yourself or like the one I've done a few projects like that where people record with us initially, go home, layer up, layer up, layer up, and then send it back to me to do the mix. And that's that's quite fun because you see the start and the end of it. But in an ideal world, I'd love to be involved all the way through. But that's just not always realistic with someone's budget. Sure. Yeah. Do, does that frustrate you? in terms of or like i mean obviously you're going to take the work 
for you know for um, but, but is there is there frustration at the moment that you're not able to have that full the kind of the, no the I wouldn't call it frustration but no. when that full project does come through it certainly feels a lot more fulfilling sure okay, um, cool I think the fact that I'm not getting those as much as I would love to is what it is like that's it's all yeah. I've always known it like that you know yeah, you, yeah. you just asked me if it's changed a lot and it's kind of always been like that since I've been in the industry you know if if you were asking someone who was making records in the 90s they would probably be very frustrated with the way things are now but I'm like well this yeah. is just yeah, how it's, it's always been. been and do you think that stuff like you you mentioned all like the streaming services do you think that contributed to like the the label kind of slowing down because Ish. oh like, like, to the small pond label yeah because yeah, obviously like people can jump on like DistroKid and and stuff like that and they can chuck out their own their own stuff um not sure about that to be honest um i mean if i'm honest with you the label's not a section that i've been no, as fine. heavily involved with yeah, no, but fine. i think we've always had plenty of people wanting to release with us and sure. it's just a case of what's realistic and what's what's actually going to work for us at yeah, the time yeah. um yeah no i mean thank you so much for for chatting to us i really appreciate oh, it and the insights are really cool and it, it does show you know this our slogan for the whole podcast this was, was making it in music and 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 to uh, lots of degrees you've done that and you've shown how a lot of people talk about portfolio careers and doing lots and lots of things mm. and you can see how that all just fits in together and and, and turn into what is great a great product you've got here but then as personally as a, a touring musician and, and doing your own projects is is really exciting and really interesting and you can see the development so yeah i really appreciate you oh, taking the time to talk chat. to us yeah it's been, it's been great thank you so much yeah actually so um before we go anywhere t- you know where can people find you if they want to follow you um or anything like that or any of the products oh, oh, all your projects yeah, yeah. <laughs> plug it, plug it. Um, appreciate yeah uh so i've actually just Spent yesterday upgrading my web, updating my website. So that's all up to date. So that's covenysound.co.uk. C O V E N E Y. Everyone misses the second E. Covenysound.co.uk. Or, I mean, if you were to Google Sam Coveney, producer, engineer, you would find me. Um, Instagram is the Sam Coveney, the one and only, of course. <laughs> um, there's a Facebook thing, but no one uses that. That's fine. Uh, yeah, one of those two. If you just sort of find me on instagram i'm most active or through my website and you can chat me an email or whatever amazing well, well obviously those will all be linked down below on yeah. spotify youtube uh all the other places we put these out now yeah. um <laughs> and we'll obviously link you on instagram and stuff and That's people cool. can go and check out as much stuff as as possible i'll try and keep it up to date <laughs> perfect well thank you very much sam it's been yeah. lovely lovely chatting to you again cheers cheers